0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Carl Smith about the current crop of HCM software and whether they enable or disable new ways of working and Agile.
1: Carl Smith, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, Jonathan. It's uh, cool to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm excited for this conversation, and I'm even more excited now after having a chance to chat with you in the pre-interview. You have a great sense of humor, and I think this will be a lively conversation about a really important topic, uh, a serious topic, uh, you know, one that I think listeners have probably thought a bit about and are wondering how to, to navigate. We're going to be focusing on human capital management software and this agile versus ways of working kind of framing uh, in the workplace. And, you know, agile has been all the buzz. People have been talking about it as a methodology. I think some people kind of know what it is. A lot of people use the term and don't have a clue of really what it is. Uh, So I want to explore that with you and then juxtaposing Agile with ways of working and available softwares that may enable or disable our ways of working uh, that way. Uh, As we get started, I wanted to share Carl's bio with everybody. Carl Smith, CEO at Agile World, builds companies and new capabilities working as leader and consultant, CEO, CIO, CTO, CDO, and CXO to deliver the change clients are seeking (laughs) He has established both new businesses and core competencies in existing global enterprises and national businesses that directly impact efficiency, market capability, and value creation. He has been a consultant and innovator in business transformation and human-centered design since 1989 and in Agile since 2004, involved in supporting both businesses and technology in the adoption of customer centricity and agility. Uh, wonderful background. Uh, again, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Before we launch into the conversation, uh, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of, of background, personal context, or anything like that?
1: I think, I think the interesting thing is that who knew that customer centricity and agility would ever join up and I think that's that's really interesting because actually when I first got involved in user experience and usability everyone said why are you wasting your time on that and that was back in the uh, late 80s um, and even in the 90s people were going what is that what well, that's not important no one will ever pay for it now it's everything that everyone all talks about all the time um, but I didn't I didn't luck out I was interested in it. So I do work that interests me and the same with uh, agile.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that's important. We all need to do work that we find interesting, that uh, ignites our passion. And I thought maybe we could start today by defining agile, because like I said in the introduction, I think many people use the term. Everyone's heard of the term. And I think people have a general sense of it, but often... Uh, I, I'm not sure they actually have a real working understanding of of Agile as a methodology or as an approach in business.
1: So so Agile, I think we need to step back a bit and think about where things were, uh, because everyone's like going, oh, all of this is common sense. Well, it wasn't common sense when it started. Uh, uh, back when this all came to the fore, uh, the, the end of the last century, um, the world of software development was chaotic and horrible, filled with forms that had to be filled out to do every last thing. Um, and the businesses were not getting what they needed when they needed it. Uh, people doing the work felt that they were being crushed by the work uh, of managing delivery, but actually what they went to do and their jobs, which is actually make things and create things was secondary to uh, f- feeding the bureaucracies. And that's where Agile comes from. It comes from a a sense that actually, bureaucracy uh, stifles uh, innovation, it stifles delivery, and it stifles the ability for people to get their jobs done. And so Agile came along as a response to it. So that's, Agile is not another form of bureaucracy. It's a kind of liberty. And I think that's the fundamental thing to get across to people. It, It actually enables people to do their jobs Uh, but to do it uh, efficiently and focused on the work, not on filling out forms to prove that they've done the work. (laughs) I I
0: love that. And I love, I love the framing around freedom. Uh, You know, bureaucracies exist for a reason as, as organizations mature, they, they formalize processes, uh, policies, practices, procedures. Um, and, And to some extent it's necessary, I suppose, but the, the more complex an organization becomes, the more um, smothering <laughs> the bureaucracy becomes as you're trying to create and innovate and even just do the work, uh, you know, of the organization, as you mentioned, but particularly, you know, innovation, I think can really suffer. So, so if- I've
1: been reading this and I'm not sure if I'm meant to advertise other people's books, but it's uh, quite sure. <laughs> entertaining. Pir- Pirates in the Navy. Um, and, and the concept behind it is that, you uh, The governance, and I've written governance models, so governance is actually there to uh, support security and manage risk. But lots of governance is now the uh, battering ram against innovation. Uh, You want to do something that's different, that's not in our policies? No, you can't do it. And in the book, it kind of describes people that are involved in innovation as people with very short-term contracts because organizations are built to stop them innovating. You know the the top echelon of organisations, the CEOs, CIOs, CFO, all want innovation because they want to drive the direction of the organisation into new markets and new engagements with their customers. But there's this layer of of managers and policy owners that are there to stop innovation so that it doesn't create risk. Uh, and this the, this concept of you know it's it's easy to be a pirate when you're working with other pirates, but actually. Most people in large organizations are actually uh, involved in innovation are actually pirates who work inside the Navy. So how do you operate as a pirate inside the Navy? And I think it's a lovely way to describe the problem.
0: Yeah, I love that that framing. Um, and, and I've experienced that myself. So as you were describing that, I'm, I'm like, yeah, as I'm beating my head against the wall, uh, against certain bureaucracies, you know, it can be so frustrating. And people often will either break through or they will choose to leave and go somewhere else, yeah. right, and, uh- and, and surround themselves with other pirates you know where they can do cool
1: things <laughs> well so. that's, that's what that's where startup culture comes from because exactly. the pirates all <laughs> gather together and go ah let's try this uh, <laughs> but the i mean the thing is uh, governance can actually create the environment for innovation as well it's just that it's how it's implemented is the issue not governance itself and that yeah, comes I down know. to people and power centers
0: yeah, absolutely. So maybe explain for us a little bit then. I, I appreciate that historical framing. Um, what does Agile look like today? So fast forward 2021, it's become part of the nomenclature. People talk about it all the time. I'm not sure people always fully understand it. What, what do we mean by Agile in the workplace? What does
1: it look like? So uh, Agile in the workplace means understanding where the work is what that work is and what value it brings to the organization and i said it so easily there and that's probably the hardest part of the whole thing identifying what is work um, and now you can deal with things with work type taxonomy so you get regulated work you get uh, strategic work there's all different kinds of work but the the larger the organization the more uh, non-production uh, work happens that means that work uh, t- time that is spent speaking to people about talking about doing some work at some point um you know getting to the point of having meetings about meetings about meetings that adds no value
0: yeah and and we all love going to meetings about meetings about meetings don't we or (laughs) or policy committees about setting up new policies to regulate existing and future policies or something like that right
1: it, it is common and it's safe and it's comfortable. And um, what, what Agile does is it looks at how do we give people an environment that allows them to express their uh, abilities to come up with new ways of doing things. Um, you know, the, the, the most I remember the box from like the, the, the noughties was a, a staff suggestion box that no one put anything in until it was time when there had to be something put in there because they everyone knew the staff suggestions, even though they were probably right, would never be enacted. Um, and what what agile does is it creates something called a continuous feedback loop. So it's not just about what is the work; it's how is it done and what does it deliver, and did it deliver the value you thought that it would do when you initiated it. So now you're creating a and accountability for work as well from the top to the delivery to the value. And now you're saying that it it can all be visible. So this should reduce the numbers of fantastical ideas that people get from uh, journals and say, oh, so our competitors doing that, let's try it. Uh, Yes, we'll set aside $10 million to do it. Doesn't matter if it doesn't do anything and we don't get any value. Well, actually it does. Uh, and this is the point, is it's, it's early intervention, early understanding about uh, whether or not uh, it's the right direction, it's the right ideas, the right people. Um, you know, one of the ways I describe the, the sort of scrum type activities is the best risk management system on the planet. On a daily basis, I can understand the exact risk position of any enterprise that I'm involved with if they've enacted scrum. Yeah, and, the,
0: and, the continuous feedback loop element, yeah. the iterative learning element. Yeah, I think that's that's what's so important, and why Agile is caught on so much. Because we're in an increasingly complex, interconnected marketplace, right? Where we're trying to be competitive, and and there's not simple solutions on how to do that. And so you have to you have to uh, be able to adapt quickly and adjust your strategy and your approach and bring about new product offerings and services. And that only happens through innovation. And you can only do that as you're continually learning. You can only learn as you have the continual um,
1: ongoing feedback loops, right? And deal with failure. Don't shun failure. Lots of work fails, except that it has a budget. And that budget means you can continue to employ people. So they carry on doing laborious work that has no value or outcome, but no one's prepared to can the piece of work and actually direct the money somewhere else because they're not allowed to because finance systems don't let them. So again, this is, you know, you need to change not just how people work, but how people are financed, how people are valued. And this is quite a large piece of work in an organization, but you don't do it from the top down. You do it from a team that works in an agile way that delivers some value. and 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 you build upon that so you build your building blocks of agile transformation aren't grand schemes they're iterations upon what has worked
0: yeah yeah i love that and and you also talk about ways of working um the, the 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 comparison between the focus on agile versus ways of working what do you mean by that
1: so, uh, people get very wrapped up into Agile and and I've seen the Agile Wars uh, over the last 20 years. The, the Agile Zealots and the Agile Priests uh, wielding their swords of their version of Agile and crushing all enemies. And and I understand it because it's, it's again about becoming part of a cult. I'm I'm a member of Scrum or I'm a m- member of Less or I'm a member of Safe. I understand all of that, but actually, it kind of goes completely against the purpose of agile agile is not about creating a separate cult it's about actually bringing people into a, a a better way of working that enables their day-to-day activities and encourages them to be part of a community so it's the antithesis of what agile was intended to do um so the way I, the reason i i use ways of working instead of agile when i do transformation work is because People are so hung up on it now, you know, 20 years of Agile. And there are people who are like going, it's rubbish. It doesn't work. And for them, it didn't. Uh, uh, or it's destructive. And it was for them. It was their experience of it. Uh, or for other people, like, yes, it works every time. Yeah, statistically impossible. Um, so it's I, I kind of. I look at how do we make things work and and what do we what do we maintain from the existing organization because there are things that are working otherwise no one would be getting paid so what works already that can be adopted into the transformation work that can guide the transformation as dare i say the competitive advantage the thing that made the company successful um and that that's really important is, is with Agile, it's very much we have to do this, and you're going, Well, that won't work. And they're going, Well, you have to do this. And you're going, Well, that won't work. And it is it's kind of like, you know, a sales pitch on a constant basis. And actually what you want a, a good salesperson to do is to listen to your context. And that's what ways of working gives you. It gives you the way to say, Well, we're going to do this bit of scrum with this bit of less. And we're going to have scrum, 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 scrums. And then we're going to do this bit of safe, which is the economic ordering piece. But we're going to throw away wish shift because we can't do it in an objective way because everyone's sorry. I'm, I'm using lots of terminology, but the so way shortest job first. We're not going to do that because everyone's too subjectively serving their own ends. So their numbers are always high. So their work is always a higher priority. But we can do economic ordering on an uh, on a, on a area of work because that allows us to gain value quickly. Do you see what I mean? And, and Ways of Working allows you to fit these uh, pieces yeah. of Agile or, um, or other things around the um, competitive advantage of the business to make the business successful. That's the point here. We're not trying to make Agile successful.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is get away from the dogma of agile, right? The the agile evangelists put that to the side. And and it's more of a a buffet, a a cafeteria Mm -hmm. style buffet approach that, you know, absolutely every organization, every context is a little bit different. And so you can pick and choose what's going to work best for you and make the approach work for the success of the business and don't be beholden to some pre-determined kind of structure or process and and do it just because that's the way you were told it it was supposed to be done.
1: So I've worked on major transformations where we have given people all of the agile attributes and say to them, you own the journey to make this value become delivered. Which bits do you think will work for you? Um, because at, at a strategic level, I'm only interested in that we get there. How we get there is up to you and the staff that have to make that journey. So we will give you the capacities to make the changes you need to make, some of which you already know uh, need to be changed and have always wanted to change. We're never allowed to. Now, now in transformation, we'll give you the capacity of guide rails to make changes. Um, as long as you tell us what they are, as long as we know so that we uh, where they touch on governance points and there's an interface between the existing governance and the changes then everyone's happy we we deliver a more optimized organization we transform or remove bad activities that don't serve the value outcomes and you own it so you're going to live it
0: and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that buy-in piece. Really make important. it sound so easy. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, tell this to, Students. I, I'm a professor. I also do consulting work, and I tell it to my students at the university. I tell it to leaders and organizations that I do consulting work with. You know, most of the time, most of the stuff we talk about is not rocket science. And what you just described, it you do make it sound easy, and it's really not rocket science. It's fairly straightforward, but in practice, it can actually be quite difficult um, because we're people, and and we yeah. just we get we get caught up in our own biases and our own preferences. And then we try to project those onto other people. And that's where the the agile evangelism comes in or the dogma. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. so against any form of dogma. And I don't care if it's religious, political, social, economic, agile, whatever. Like we got to be more flexible. Yeah. And that's to your point. That's the whole point of agile. That right? is the
1: whole point. But the, you can have those guide rails and you can do anything within those guide rails. But you need to be able to prove that it's changed. You need to create some metrics, you create them. I don't tell you what the metrics are because I don't know what they should be. You create the metrics that allow us to track the change and the delivery of better experience and the delivery of better products and services to our customers. And that's not just to when they leave your doors but when the customer receives them and there's a feedback loop from the customer saying, this is wonderful. And, and that's all I need to do as a, as a, a transformation consultant is actually provide a framework, but it's not a single framework. It's multiple frameworks, yeah. um, but it's, it's something that they adopt or don't adopt. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's now talk about the current crop of uh, human capital management software that's available out there. And how does that overlay with this agile approach, uh, ways of working approach, and is it connecting well, is it enabling, or is it detracting from what we're trying to
1: do? So, so the simple answer is no, um, that that's the simple answer. I think the if you need to go back to what is the premise that these pieces of software are built upon? They're built upon a number of primary data keys. So what is your physical location? What is your career pathway? And what is your primary skill set? Well. That thinking is about 15, 16 years old. Um, HR in the way in which it's trying to engage with people and how business are trying to evolve people have moved on in their thinking uh, uh, to T-shaped people. And now we're in X-shaped people. And now I don't know what the next shape will be. But the point is the data attributes for an X-shaped person are not prevalent in any human capital management system. They're still basing it around A person is in a location, they have a career path based around their primary skill set. There's no encouragement, therefore, to actually be involved in communities of practice, um, to share into other areas of a business. Um, So it doesn't actually support the um, innovative and engaging model that's proposed in Agile at all. Which yeah, is which sad, but, but it's, it, it is it, sad. Uh,
0: it's a problem,
1: right? Because it's a major, major issue. Yeah. Uh, so I've got some water here cause I'm beginning to crack. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, it, it's, it's, it's clearly a problem because I mean, we have HRIS um, is there and these human capital management uh, technologies are there um, to assist and help organizations be more effective to utilize the capacities of their people. And what's more important in terms of the capacities and capabilities of your people than then leaning on your expertise and innovating, uh, across breaking down silos, across divisions, across, um, di- you know, uh, disciplines and, and being able to, to bring about new solutions. And that's what should be happening. That's what the software should be enabling. And unfortunately yep. it's, it's not set up. Oftentimes it's not set up to do that. Uh, do you it's see a- any, do you see any, um, new offerings out there that might be meeting this gap?
1: No, not yet, because I don't think it's properly quantified either. So we know that uh, agile working practices create flexibility, or intended to create flexibility, but no one's properly mapped it either. Uh, because what happens halfway through most transformations, they go, "Oh, that's an HR matter." You push it back to HR, and they go, "This is how we're going to do it." And you go, "Well, actually, those people are now trapped in those career pathways." You know that, from what I've seen in organisations that do agile um transformation well which is from the team up um, you end up with a person with four or five career pathways instead of one and they can dip in and dip out because they have different skill sets at different times in their life in their it's a it's a um a life cycle of working you know when you start as a software developer for instance uh, you you might be aware of architectures, um, but you, you probably wouldn't want to take the risk of designing the architecture for a new service. You would rely upon someone with those skills. But as you evolve in in doing solutioning and you deal with a number of different frameworks in architecture, you might start to say, well, I can do that now. Now, for a lot of software developers, they're trapped forever in their Ucode uh, career pathway. But actually, many of them can architect, Uh, and it's it's a question then of saying, can you give them that pathway as well? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And can you give them pathway?
0: Yeah, yeah. I I really like the the multiple pathway approach. I, and selfishly, I mean, that's that just seems so much more interesting to me as I go throughout a, a lifelong, you know, career and experience in the workforce, like why do I want to be stuck doing the exact same thing on one lane the the entire time? And that doesn't to your point. I mean, people in different life stages, people have different interest levels um, and we grow and develop as we, you know, Mm -hmm. you you choose a a major at the university and then kind of this expectation that you're going to go into your field and then you're going to be on that lane for the rest of your life. It, It seems absurd uh you know in the present day but it seems even more absurd when we look into the future of work and we look at how there's going to be whole new you know tasks and and responsibilities and professions careers and professions that are going to emerge
1: that we haven't even conceived of yet so it seems just absurd it's, it's, if you look at your community of practice thing, or, or most people, as we call it, meetup, um, then it, there's the things that people are interested in. And you might have, uh, so I've come across people who are lawyers who code for fun. And, and I met one that created their own AI in a company that was desperate for an AI. But they, they never, they would never dream of telling the CEO that they created an AI that the, the company could use. One, because they, they, they were concerned of losing it. Uh, and then two, that's um, what would they do for a living? How would they understand themselves? And I think that's the thing is how do, we, how do we change ourselves into multidimensional employees and still maintain a sense of self? So the whole mindset thing is not just how I respond to work, but how I respond to me and culture. So there's a lot of complexity here, but it's it's worth, I think it's worth the effort. This is why startups are so successful is because everyone rolls up their sleeves and does what needs to be done. I mean, I I never went to university to train how to code. I taught myself how to code in binary and hexadecimal because I was interested in it. I, I turned that into prologue programming and I've done some AI work since. I don't, I wouldn't go to a client and say, I'm an AI programmer because but I understand it, mm-hmm. and that's you know when when someone says oh we do AR and going yeah which kind, <laughs> they go uh, what do you mean which kind? Um, so, <laughs> um, but I just think that's it's so that's the bit that's missing from human capital management is yeah. this notion that we are more than one facet of a person, um, and and people say oh we've got soft skill modelings well that's nice but actually what is the um, what is the proof of that? You know do you go and do public speaking are you good at social media none of those attributes are drawn into uh, human capital management systems they are maybe as part of the hiring process is this person a thought leader that might be there in that but it's not it's not considered to be part of their makeup within an organization and actually it's part of all of our makeup in life yep yep absolutely
0: Well, Carl, this has been a really fascinating (laughs) conversation and the time has flown by and we've only scratched the surface. So perhaps I can have you back another time and we can continue. Uh, But uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you're busy and you need to get back to other things. So before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more more about your work, your consulting business, uh, and then give us the last word on the topic for today
1: okay so connect to me on LinkedIn I'm an open networker uh, provided uh, it you know you work in a similar field uh, okay, you know, there needs to be some some rationale behind connection then I'll connect to pretty much anyone which probably explains why I've got 20,000 connections um, in terms of and I'm on Facebook and uh, my Twitter's quite uh, engaged uh, quite uh, quite a lot of activity they've got about 43,000 followers there um, so But I'm interested in the conversation. I don't have all the answers. I'm here to learn like everyone else. Uh, In terms of uh, what I've been working on, I've published a book recently, this one, uh, A Short Guide to Agile Transformation. And there are so many books on agile transformation, um, but I didn't attempt to sell anyone anything. I, I've actually put in here all of the pieces required to do an Agile transformation. It's more of a, a planning how-to guide, which I think is, is kind of missing there. What, the, what most books tell you is, read the book, then hire me, and I'll do the work for you. But actually, I, I want to give people enough uh, information to be able to start the work themselves, to try and understand what they need to do and how what needs to be engaged. Uh, and then the final word on the subject is... There isn't a solution at the moment, but it doesn't mean to say that there can't be one. I think that's that's the thing is that we it, we need to go back to what is the human that's being managed, and are we properly representing them in the systems? Yeah, excellent. Thank you, Carl. It has been a real
0: pleasure talking with you. I encourage listeners. To reach out, get connected with Carl. Check out his book. Check out his company. Uh, find out uh, more about what he can do to help you. Look into agile. Look into ways of working. Um, look at your current uh, human capital management software at your organization, and, and you know determine what gaps are there, and, and maybe you can start the process of, of uh, filling that gap. It, it's been a pleasure. I wish everyone well. I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope. You all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches. Maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.